Welcome. Great to have you guys here today. Thanks so much for joining us. I want to say a special hello to all of our campuses real quick. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars men and women. Thanks for being a part of our services. And of course, we have so many people watching us online. Thank you to the entire Church and Limited Nation. Thanks for being a part of our services today with people that watch all over the country and all over the world. So thank you for that. And uh, we are grateful that you are with us. Some people get up in the middle of the night to be able to be with us live. And so thank you for that. We're honored that you are with us. Well, it's been a really unique month, hasn't it? I mean, God's really been doing something special in church. And I think there's a level of expectation that we have brought today, believing that God is going to do something really special. And so, again, I'm thankful that you are here. We started the series off because of you. It's, it's the, uh, the series was to launch our, our annual offering. Today is annual offering day. And so I just want to say, if you are visiting with us, we're glad you're here. And I don't think it's an accident that you came today, but I also want you to know we don't normally talk about offerings uh, all year long. That's not something we do. It's an annual offering. It's a one-time thing. But if you look in the Old Testament, all throughout Scripture, you will see over and over again that the Israelites would get together and they would have these annual offerings. They would have like the Feast of Shelters, the Feast of Weeks, the, the Harvest Offering, the a Thank Offering. They had these unique offerings that they would give all throughout the year to God. And we've instead combined it into one annual offering. And uh, what is an offering? Well, on Valentine's Day, I always bring my wife a nice gift, maybe some candy and some flowers. And, you know, that's great. It's kind of like expected, Right. But if I were to just get her flowers, you know, and she says, what'd you give me these for? If I'd said, it's just Tuesday and I thought of you. Ah, that's an offering right there, isn't it? I have gone beyond what was expected. So an offering is not the tithe. That's something we're supposed to bring to the Lord that's already the Lord. That's why he says, if you're not tithing, he says, you bring what's mine. Basically, he says, you're stealing from me. He says that in Malachi chapter 3, because that's already mine. So you're actually just bringing to the Lord what's already his. But an offering is when you say, God, I want to go above and beyond just to say I love you, just to say I'm thankful for you, just to say I thought of you today, just to say I'm grateful for all you've done for me. So that's really what an offering. It's above and beyond the tithe. And so today, as, as I talk at the end of this, we're going to have our, our annual offering. And again, we, we had a, a portion service early for our regular tithe, but there will be a moment at the end of this service, a spiritual moment, I believe, where we will offer a gift to God. And we're believing God uh, this year for a, a large offering, a $2.5 million offering, so that we can do God's work off of that. And so, and uh, we've already kind of covered a lot of what, what's entailed in that. We'd like to purchase some land on Project Island because they desperately need a better location. And there's all kinds of missions we're going to do. One of my favorite ones we're going to be doing, by the way, in fact, probably the first thing we're going to purchase um, is, as a church is going to be two more love trucks. Uh, and so this is just basically a box truck with our logo on it to where we can then go out into the community and, and serve. Just think about this. The San Antonio is going to get one. So as a corpus uh, area is going to get one too. And because here we can have it drive around different campuses. We only have one up in San Antonio. It's a little too far. So we're going to have two. We already have one. And so now we'll have three. But the one we have is kind of rickety. Basically, it's been around for about 10 years and it's kind of on its last leg. And so, but you say, well, what is a love truck? Well, just imagine when it gets cold. Well, we're going to back that truck up to all the campuses, and we'll have a Stuff the Truck weekend where we all bring thick new socks, new, new coats, and blankets, and we take it to every homeless person in San Antonio and Corpus Christi and surrounding areas where they're not cold because they have a God who loves them. Isn't that cool? Things like that. There's a lot of great things we're going to do. We're going to be renovating the children's area here at Broadcast as well as the Rodfield area. Just, those are just a few of the things. We have a lot of different things 
we're doing, but, but we're so grateful for giving and, and the difference you make. Rockport, by the way, you know, they need storage desperately. We're going to help them get a storage shed. So they have somewhere to keep some stuff. And so uh, the things like that. And so all the campuses have something that is being, uh, the money's being used to, to, to give them. And so uh, for a difference in their ministry. But, but frankly, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to plant 21 churches around the globe again this year. Isn't that cool? That's through this offering. So all of those things happen. All the mission aspects of what I'm talking about doing, we always do those, whether we re- receive all the money or not. We don't cut back on missions. We'll cut back on other stuff. And so that will happen. Those will be the first things out the door will be to expand the kingdom of God. And so and if we don't raise all the money, we may have a room that doesn't get painted, things like that. But what will happen is the support of the missions. I just want you to know that's first. So when you say, well, Pastor, what if you want to bring in like a portion and you're still waiting for the rest to come in? You're going to hold back until it all comes in before you do the missions? No, we're going to do the missions right away and, uh, because I believe that that is the priority of a large church. A large church should have a large impact. Does that make sense? God didn't make us big so we could pat ourselves about, oh, look how big we are. No. God made us a large ministry so that we could have a large impact in the world, making a big difference. And by the way, we're not a large church. We're a small town. So keep that in mind. No, I don't like this. Just I get lost in a large church. Actually, no, it's just like a small town. And so you know everybody in a small town. And so that's kind of how we operate as a church. So again, I want to dive into the content that God gave me. But once again, I I had this message that I prepared and the Lord, uh, about two hours before I started to share it yesterday in our Saturday service, the Lord began to give me something. I was like, God, come on, Lord, please just let me preach. Please just let me preach, you know. And God was like, I want to give you something just for my people today. And, and so, and I was like, okay, God. And so it actually fits in my message. So I'm going to stop in the moment and, and share something that God just really gave me uniquely, I believe, for you today. And as we do that, though, uh, today's message is simply called the Because of You Offering. Let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. And so, so glad to have you guys here. There's a scripture in, in, in 1 Chronicles uh, 28, and also 29 that I'm going to be kind of focusing on. This is where David, God put it on his heart to give to build God's house. In fact, it says in 1 Chronicles 28, verse 2, I had it in my heart to build a house for the Lord. God had put that on his heart years earlier, and now he was, he was actually going to do it. And so, and I wonder if some of you watching today online or at one of our campuses, I wonder if some of you, God years ago put on your heart, and this is how that would come out, something like, man, one day... I hope I'm so blessed that I can just give a massive gift to God. I can just do something big for God's work. I want to be one of those guys. When I was younger, I thought, I want to be one of those guys one day that writes a fat check to God. That'd be so cool, you know, to be able to make a big difference, make a a, a big impact. And I remember years ago wanting to do that, and God has has given my, my wife and I the ability to do that multiple occasions and you know, now when I say fat check, that's a very uh, undefined number. And so what was a fat check when I was 20 is different than that 40, right? And so, you know, it's an it's a evolving thing. And so what is a large gift today for you, maybe a small gift in 10 years? I pray it is. I pray that God continues to grow what you're able to do. And I say this humbly, so please don't hear this wrong, but we're excited to be able to now give more than we used to earn. And I believe that day will happen for many of you too. And, and maybe it already has. Many of you are, are already there. And you're like, God, I thank you that I'm able to give now larger than we used to, to earn. And I believe God can, can bless you in that way. And he wants to do that. And, and, and uh, I've just seen God do some pretty amazing things for people. 
And so more on that in a minute. But, but David just had it in his heart. He wanted to give. And so here in 1 Chronicles 29, he did. He gave a, a large gift. In fact, he gave an insane gift. He said, with all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God, gold, uh, silver, bronze, iron, wood, onyx, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Now, he gave actual numbers in the text that don't mean a lot to us, but theologians and scholars have broken those numbers down and put those into economics of today. And we know that the average of his gift today, if he were to give it in 2021, would have been between 400 and $500 million. Not a bad gift. I know some of you are like, oh, I was only going to give like half of that today. <laughs> we appreciate that. Thank you for trying. It's pretty crazy when you think about that, right? You're like, oh, that, that's just it's mind-blowing. But if you think about it, the truth is, is that there are actual multiple business people who gave more of that for the political campaign of their choosing this last election cycle. Multiple people gave way over that. Zuckerberg blew that out just for his political beliefs. I mean, Bill Gates gives way more than that. You know, I mean, there, there, there's lots of people who, who outstrip that, that level of giving all the time. So it's funny because we think, oh, that's just that number seems so big. But for some reason, that number doesn't seem as big when you hear a business person, a philanthropist do that, you know, for a university or, I mean, how do you think these stadiums get built? That's not off of ticket sales, I can tell you that. It's because alumni believe in their university enough and they want, you know, that winning season so they'll They'll build these giant stadiums, which is great, by the way, and I'm fine with that. That's great. Whatever you want to give to, that's, that's, that's between you and, and the Lord. But I don't think our largest gift should be going towards universities, and I think we should give to universities, and I pray you do. I really do, because I'm, I'm grateful for my education, and you probably are too for you. But I believe God's kingdom is more valuable even than that, even though that's a wonderful cause. So I just want to encourage you, like when you hear the word 2.5 million, 2.5, why is the church need 2.5 million dollars? Do you know there's people that are lost that need Jesus? So you're not giving to Church Unlimited, you're giving through Church Unlimited. And I always want, like to point this out, years ago we built the Rodfield campus and it cost us $7.5 million at the time to build it. Now that building would be worth, you know, probably 10 or 12 million at this point. But that's what we spent and people were literally offended. They were like, I can't believe you would spend that kind of money on a church. At the same time, by the way, the University of Texas was redoing their scoreboard. Their scoreboard. Let me say that again. The board that says the score. <laughs> and that scoreboard was $20 million to tell the score of a game. And no one got offended by that. They were like, oh, yeah, man, let's raise it. Let's send our money in right now. Let's, let's make that happen. No one even thought twice about it. But I'm so offended that you raised money to build a building. I can't. Where's our priorities? We're, we're not offended by a scoreboard that's $20 million, yet we get upset when we want to open a campus for $7.5 million, which has now reached thousands of people for Christ. Thank you. So why are we doing what we do? So David said, I want to give a large gift to God. Now, I want to stop. This was something God gave me. And I want to talk about David for a second, because God just gave me this, because I believe that there's some kings of this world that are hearing me right now. And so I want to define a king of this world because, you know, the Bible says that he is the, Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, when we hear that, we think, well, yeah, that means that, you know, the king of Africa one day is going to have to bow 
to Jesus. And that means the king or the leader, we'd call him, you know, in America, they're going to have to bow to Jesus. Yes, it does mean that. But the king of kings, scholars tell us that when they're referred to kings, they're not just referring to kings as in someone who has a kingdom, like we think of, you know, like king whoever, you know, King Henry VIII or whatever. We're not talking about that. But actually, you may be a king in your world. And so I just want to show you what a king of this world looks like, if I can. And I, I don't mean to out you, but I may be outing you in this moment as someone who either aspires to be this or already is this. And so, but I want you to hear this list. God just really put this in my heart to give you because when God changes the world, he raises up kings and queens to do it time and again. Even ones that didn't even know God would give towards God's temple, would open doors. Think about Nehemiah went to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and the king that wasn't even from Israel, God put on his heart through Nehemiah, said, you know what, Nehemiah, I'm going to support you. I'm going to fund it. He funded Jerusalem's walls being built and he didn't even believe in their God. It's pretty crazy. Think about Joseph. Joseph never became a king, but he always worked for one. For a long time, he worked directly for a king. And because of that, he was able to change the world. So you not, may not be the, the king or the queen, but you may work closely with one. But I'm going to tell you right now, and this is very important, if you want your career to take off, if you want your, your opportunities to really explode, you may need to listen to what I say for the next few moments. Because I believe God may have put a king inside of you, a queen inside of you. And so what does the king of this world look like? Well, let's just break this down. Let's just talk about David for a second. What happened to David? David got a vision early in life. He was just a teenager, but there's something different about him. And Samuel came along and anointed him and said, you're the next king. And I believe it may be my job today to be a prophet in your life to point out the king inside of that little boy right there. Because someone came along and pointed out the fact that there was a king inside of David. And by the way, David's dad didn't do the job. He fell down on the job. He may have been a good guy. We don't really know whether he's a really good guy or a really bad guy, but we know he did not do the job. He did not honor his own son. In fact, when Samuel showed up at, at Jesse's house, he said, hey, one of your boys, the Lord told me he's going to be the next king. And Jesse said, let me line up my, all my boys. Come on. He, he called them all to come out from the fields, get cleaned up, get showered up, get lined up, because one of you is going to be anointed the next king. But he didn't even invite David to the party. Ouch. Wow. In fact, this may mean that one of the signs you may be a king is that you have an early rejection, a deep wound from someone who was supposed to honor you and show you love, and they didn't. The very thing that you may be using as your excuse to fail in life may be the very sign of your great success that's coming. I'm preaching to someone right now. And so how do you know if you may be a king of this world? They get a vision early in life. Here's another one. They have an early victory, often coupled with an early betrayal. The same day that David's brothers got mad at him for showing up at the line, uh, at, at the war, uh, is the same day that David fought and beat Goliath. Did you know that? Same day. Same day he was rejected. In fact, oftentimes when someone young is rejected by their peers, God made that happen because he doesn't want you to fit in with them because you're supposed to lead them. You weren't supposed to fit in. So you have an early victory, often coupled with an early betrayal. I know of a, a young man that worked uh, at one of the refineries. He was doing pretty well by all accounts, and uh, he probably could have climbed that ladder, but then he stepped out and he began his own company. And all of his friends said, you are nuts. Why are you doing this, man? You're leaving this good paying job. And he went to a much lower pay, just trying to get a business started. And it wasn't but about three or four years later, all of his friends were calling him saying, hey, can I work for you? He was the king of this world. 
He stepped out and he had some early success and God's still blessing him to this day. Um, he, so one of the ways you know you're a king of this world, you have an early victory, often coupled with an early betrayal. Another way you know you're a king of this world is everyone's on your payroll. Everyone in your life is paid by you. That's probably a sign that you're a king of this world. And so I know multiple people in our church that they have a payroll and pretty much their whole world is, kind of revolves around them. And you may think, must be nice. Well, it probably is nice in some ways, but there's other ways it's not so nice because you don't know, are you really, do you really like me or are you just here because I'm paying you? So there's kind of a struggle that comes with that too. You know, think about your relationships. Is this, is this man or woman with me because they love me or they love the lifestyle I provide? There can be a little challenge with that too. So most of the people in someone who's a king of this world or a queen of this world, they're, they're, they're on their payroll. Think about David. He built an army from misfits. He, he, was, he had to literally run from Saul. He's out in the middle of nowhere. And everyone else who was running from the law also showed up to David. Hey, David, we're with you, man. I got nowhere else to go. Might as well follow you. And he built his army. All those mighty men you hear about, oh, David's mighty men. They were a bunch of misfits. Which, by the way, also entrepreneurs, listen, quit trying to find good people. Build them. Find broken people and build them. Did you hear that? By the way, the person you need on your staff, you can't afford them anyways. So instead, find some 20-nothing-year-old person who's had mistake after mistake and believe in them and build in them. Guess what? It builds loyalty too. Make sense? Can I tell you something else about kings of this world? They value loyalty over talent. They can teach you everything you need to know, but what you can't teach is loyalty. You either have it or you don't. This is why people oftentimes who are real excited about getting an education, made straight A's, 4.0 in school, and they get out and they're really frustrated five years in. They're like, why am I not making the big bucks? Because this is probably something you've even heard in an interview or maybe you've had a talking to. Someone says, man, you just don't get it. What you just don't get it means, can I interpret that for you to help you out? You're like, why can't I go further in the organization? Because you're still thinking it's about talent. It's not. It's about loyalty. Talent gets you about halfway up the organizational ch- chart loyalty takes you to the top. Did you catch that? You look at the president, any president, past or present, the people that are at the top around them, they're not there because they're so talented. They're there because they're so loyal. And so, again, some of you are frustrated, like, I don't like that. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think so much you think they're a king and you're missing the point. This is what you're not understanding is that they had blood, sweat, and tears to build what they have And so they're not about to let someone just walk in and throw their opinion around, destroy the morale of the organization because you think you're Mr. Hotshot with your master's degree. You got to come in with loyalty. Does that make sense? It matters. I promise you it matters. Now, is this being blind loyalty? No, because in the Bible, multiple times when David made big mistakes and he made big mistakes, someone would pull him aside and say, King King David, can, can we talk real quick privately? And then they would sit down privately with David and say, Sir, do you see what you're doing? Multiple times you see this where there was a private conversation. I think this is why all the guys that are about my age or kings of this world love movies like Braveheart and Gladiator because it shows in the movie incredible loyalty when they were wrong. They said, no, no, I'm not going to say it in front of all the men. Let's, let's go talk just the two of us. And so they, they, they wanna, they, they're like, I know I need to, 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 to tell you what, show you a blind spot, but I'm not going to violate loyalty while I do it. Brilliant. Loyalty matters. And if you're frustrated by this, just be comfortable never getting high in an organization, never going high. So if this bothers you, just be okay with middle management. Because those are the pieces we can just switch out in any organization. 
But if you want to go high in organization, you've got to learn to be loyal. It matters. It matters to the kings of this world, I can tell you that. It's a big deal. And if you want to be that king of this world, you've got to look for that. But if you want to get close to a king of this world, you've got to bring loyalty. It's a big deal. Is anyone getting something from this today? They value loyalty over talent. Here's another one. Kings of this world don't do well without a goal. When David was focused, he was off at war. When he was not off at war, he found Bathsheba. What does that mean? That means you should always have a goal in front of you as a king. If you don't, that's when you fall. And so you ever notice people don't fall off ladders midway up? They only fall off a ladder at the top. Why? Because they're no longer reaching for another rung. That's when we fall. So always be reaching for more. My wife says to me, are you ever just going to be satisfied with what God's given? I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Leadership is a sickness as much as it is a gift. I'm always wanting more. I'm believing God for more. Make sense? So I just want to encourage you to know this. What that really means is that you need structure. This is, this is uh, you know, why you see, you know, great leaders. You know, when, when do NFL athletes and MLB athletes and NBA athletes, when did they do something stupid? Out of season. Why? No structure. We need structure. When did Michael Phelps mess up? No structure. And he came out about a month after he, you know, went and tried to get his life straight because he got caught doing drugs. And what did he say? He said, I'm going to get back in the pool. What was he saying? I need structure. He said, I became a world-class leader with structure. Without structure, I'm a disaster. And by the way, that every king of this world I know is that way. Think about the areas where you've fallen, where you've messed up. I bet you had too much time on your hands. We need structure. Am I talking to someone right now? Is God using this in someone's life? You want to be king of this world? I'm telling you how. My mentor told me a long time ago, because I would say, oh, I just need more money to do this and more people. And he said, you don't need either of those things. You need structure. Structure yourself for success. Oh, I just gave a huge piece. If you will just, you can run on that for the next five years. Structure, doesn't matter what you want in life, are you structured for it? Is your daily schedule structured for it? You want to be king of this world, you got to structure yourself for success. They don't do well without a goal. They need that structure. Here's another one. The irony is that the kings of this world, they give the most to the temple while often being the, there the least. I tell you something that's kind of funny. The people who are probably going to give the biggest <laughs> offerings to the church this weekend are hardly ever here. You know why? They're kings. They're off at war. Oh, I'm not going to be able to make it this weekend. Oh, I'm in Florida. We're putting the deal together, and oh, I'll be in New York. And I'm just like, what? I mean, that's how these people think. And so and someone once told me that the way they think, they think the, the country is their city. So they you know, fly off to have you know, lunch with someone in Baltimore to put a deal together, and then they're back you know, at home in South Texas having dinner with their family. Same day. You're like, I just, my mind, I, I can't wrap my mind around that. The point is this, increase your capacity. Don't ask God to bless you with more if you can't handle more on your plate. God, increase our capacity. But the irony is that those who give the most to the temple often are here the least. And so this is why we also need to be judgmental towards someone who you say, I never see them in church. Well, you may have, have no idea the difference they're making. They may, may be making a massive difference. They just happen to spend half their life on their ranch but they may be making a huge impact. So just keep that in mind. Also, another thing about kings of this world, the last half of their career is, is shifted from earning to setting up their kids. 
That's what kings of this world are doing. David spent the last half of his career focusing on getting Solomon up and going. He didn't focus really on his kingdom anymore. At that point, he was like, I need to make sure that this thing is going to last, so i got to set everybody up. This is why the kings of this world are always, they have attorneys in their office all the time. I'm like, can you set up this entity and make sure this is protected, make sure that, what are they doing? They're like, God's allowed me to amass all this, and I want to use it and make sure it's around for generations, so i got to set up my kids. That's what kings of this world are busy doing. This is why every business you see is such and such and sons. What are they doing? They're trying to set up the next generation, right? Oh, believe me, I know there's some kings in this world that are ladies in this room too. I'm fully aware. I know a few. Some queens in this world that are doing big things for God. We understand that. Speaking of that, next week we're starting a new series on Ruth. Talk about some queens in this world. Don't miss it. It's going to be powerful. Ladies, you have great power in your hands. So don't miss that series. I'm very excited about that. The last half of their career shifted from earning more to setting up their kids, and they find their purpose in preparing their greatest gift year after year, topping themselves as there is no one else to compete with. They're not competing with anyone else anymore. They're just competing against themselves now. Who is Michael Dell competing against at this point? Right? I mean, sure, there's a market still, and he wants to have a certain market share. I understand that, but as far as, like, you know, you know, I mean, when he goes back to his high school reunion, you think he's like, oh, I wonder if I'm as successful as the next guy. No, they pretty much know who's the, who's the success of his high school. It's Michael Dell. So he's no longer competing against others. He's competing against himself. You know, uh, Jeff Bezos, there's no one really to compete with now. He's just competing against himself. And so in the same way, when you begin to give, you're, you're outgiving yourself. And this is a mentality that I've really picked up from my mentor and, and that is that every year I try to, as much as I can, outgive myself from the year before. And so I'm not trying to compete against anyone else. No one even knows what I give, but I just, I just want to always be topping whatever I'm doing to give to God. And so it's just a different mentality. It's a different way of thinking. They find purpose in giving as well. Could I be speaking to a future king of this world? See, here's my prayer. As we talk today about giving today, maybe some of you are like, Pastor, I, I, I don't have that much I can give. But my prayer is that today is a gift to you, that you begin to see that your pastor is trying to call out the king in you, which means 10 years from now, you'll be a king of this world and you'll be making a big impact. Someone is hearing something in their spirit right now and it's lighting them up and they're saying, I want to be that person. I believe God has got that in me. Just a few moments ago, a couple came up to me and I, I, I promised not to share their name. They did not want me to say who they are, but... He's in construction. He's worked for another firm for years. And this year, with COVID and everything going on, he said, might as well try. Let me just see what would happen. And they started a business. This is their third to start. The first two failed. By the way, you did, did you not know that? That your last failure has nothing to do with your future success? Did you know the average entrepreneur, millionaire in America starts 11 businesses to get successful? So if you're not up to number 11 yet, you're not done. Don't sweat it. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. Just keep trying. I was told early on that two out of three church plants fail, so I thought, I'll at least start three. One of them will work. Luckily, the second one worked. First one didn't. Did you know that? This is not my first church plant. It's my second. First one I did in Dallas didn't work. Second one's doing all right. God's blessed it. Don't give up. Don't you have a quitter spirit? You're a king. You're a queen. You see who you are. You got royalty in you. I'm trying to pull out that royalty blood out of you. There's more in you. This couple just said, hey, can we just have a moment of your time? This is earlier this morning. I said, sure. 
they happen to serve and I always laugh when people say, I can never get to Pastor Bill. That means you're not serving. If you're serving, I probably already know who you are. This couple, uh, they said, hey, can we talk to this? Yeah, sure. They began telling me their story. They said, you know, so I stepped out and, you know, I'm in concrete. It's kind of what I do. And that's great, man. He started telling me God's been blessing it. You know, we didn't, we didn't expect during COVID for us to go well, but it's been going well. You know, we're still expanding. And, and so he said we were able to, to buy some dirt to build a house. I was like, that's great. And they said, we're able to pay cash for it. Amazing. Praise God. That's incredible. He said, yeah. And so then she piped in. She said, we've been saving up beyond that. And we got all the kids together. Their kids are a little older. And they said, well, we're going to use some of this money to go to Disney. And the kids said, don't use the money for Disney, guys. We can do that later. Let's build our house. Some wise children. So she says, we set aside the money to build the, build the house. And, and she said, uh, and then the Because of You series started. And she said, I heard you chunk your message. And God just really began to speak to me. And she said, and I told God one night, uh, when God said, get on the floor and worship me. He said, I was laying in bed. She's like, Lord, I'll just worship you from here. And the Lord was like, no, get up. There's something powerful about the way we worship, isn't there? So she got out of bed and she got on her knees. She began to worship God. And she said, God, out of the money we've been saving, I'll give you $1,000. And the Lord said, that's not the number I told you. So they just brought a check for $10,000. God added a zero to their number. I think God's going to bless them. They have no idea they're becoming kings of this world. And it's great to be a king in this world as long as you remember that you bow the knee to the king of kings, to the Lord of lords. But God may be stirring in you so you can give something big to God. So I don't know what God is speaking to you, but maybe God is calling you to become a king of this world. Who knows what God may be doing. Maybe God's just saying it's time to add a zero to what you thought you were going to give because God wants to add a zero to what he's going to give you. I believe he wants to do that in all of our lives. It goes on in First Chronicles 29. Let's jump back into this, what David did. Now, after he gave his large gift, he says, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. So then all the leaders came forward. It's so funny. Everybody wants to be a leader today, but we forget that you lead through serving, you lead through sacrifice, you lead through giving. So in just a few moments, we're going to have an offering time, and I'm going to invite you to literally come forward. Some of you say, well, I'm going to give on my phone or give online or whatnot. That's fine. You can give however you want. You can bring a gift forward, but maybe you're not physically bringing a gift. You just come forward and you just get before God. When you recognize the offering is not just what you're offering God, you're offering yourself to God. He's saying, God, I'm offering you my life, my family. Plus, there's something powerful. See, I grew up in a family that I just saw my mom and dad always give. Giving's not hard for me. You know why? Because it's just what we do. In my home, it's kind of a known thing. You're like, if you're a Cornelius, you're a giver. That's just how we roll. Why? Because my mother and my dad always gave. So giving wasn't hard for me. But my dad will tell you, if you were to share his testimony, he said giving, tithing was really hard at first and then giving above and beyond that because that wasn't modeled in, in his home. So he had to learn that. So maybe giving is tough for you, but why don't you overcome that so that your kid just think it's normal? So you choose to, to give. And so I remember going forward with my parents and, and kneeling, and, 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 and my mom and dad were bringing an offering, and I realized this is from our whole family, and it tied me to it. So in a few moments, I want to encourage you, don't just come forward. Bring your kids. Everyone gets on their knees together and says, God, we are offering this as our family to you. So your kids realize they take great pride in the fact that, oh, my family, we're, we're givers. That's how we roll. That's what we do. 
If this isn't just my mom and dad doing something, I'm a part of this. And you can joke around with your kids and say, yeah, you're going to get a little less because I gave a lot. So, you know, <clears throat> even though we kid around about that, my kids do know that. That we'll live a little less and drive a little less and it's okay. It's all right. I was just talking to my wife about this the other day because we're looking at kind of car situation. Every single car in my family, and there's a lot of them because I have three kids all over the age of 16. Every car we have is over 100,000 miles now, all of them. And, you know, it's like, ah, it'd be kind of nice to replace them. I was like, no, we're going to give first. God will take care of that. I'm sure we'll take care of our cars. We'll be fine. I'm like, Lord, just let them go a little longer because I want to give to you first. I just want to challenge you that giving should affect us. Number two is giving sets you apart. David said, now who's willing to consecrate themselves? What does consecrate mean? Cons- consecrate means you're set apart. You see, if you're in sales right now, every one of the salespeople that you work alongside, they're all just trying to earn more money so they can buy a bigger house, nicer car, you know, extra property, go on vacation. They're all doing that. But who out of your whole sales force is giving to the Lord? You. You're set apart. So which one out of your whole sales force does God want to bless now? The one who ties their career to God's work. If you will tie your career to impacting God's kingdom, you are strapping your job, your investments, your career to a rocket because God wants to bless his people who bless his work. That's just how God rolls. Giving sets you apart. The third thing giving does, givers recognize that they all, all that they have comes from God. First Corinthians, excuse, excuse me, First Chronicles 29, 14 says, but who am I? This is what David said. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. So because of you, God, I'm able to give this, right? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. What's he saying? He's saying, look, if I, if I don't give to the Lord's work, what does it all matter? We're just going to all do deals and die unless we tie our, our lives to God's work. Otherwise, what, what's this? You know, I see the T-shirts, you know, he who dies with the most toy wins. No, he who dies with the most toy still dies. And you can't take any of it with you. And so your life is like a Monopoly game. You can all brag all you want. Whoa, I ran the whole board. Congratulations. Now put it all back in the box when we're finished. Because when you die, everything about you is going to go back in a box. Except for what you do for God. That lasts forever. I have yet to see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You cannot take it with you, but you can send it ahead by doing God's work. You can. just want to encourage you with that. Maybe God's stirring you. Maybe you came in with a number and God said, mm, 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 not the number I gave you. Oh, it got quiet in here. God may be stirring in you. Givers recognize that all they have comes from God. And the last thing is this. Giving is an act of worship. And it helps fulfill your purpose. Did you know that after this big gift David gave, he died? You think, oh, that's so sad. No, it's actually, it's not sad at all. It would have been sad if he would have held on to all this and then still died. That would have been sad. But it's not sad when you expend your, your life for someone else, when you give to God's great work. He became an inspiration to all the people who then gave generously because they saw David give generously. They were like, hey, if he can do it, I can do it. And people gave. I want to encourage you. Be an inspiration to others. Don't keep it all for yourself. Everyone's doing that in the world. Oh, I'm going to get mine. Oh, that's so original. No one's ever done that in America. We live in a world that is soaked up about themselves. 
You want countercultural Christianity? You want to be a radical for Jesus? Give. Because it's an unpopular teaching. Give. Pour your life out for others. You want to be a blessing? Don't make your life about yourself. Make it about others. Then David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the king. What they do? They literally laid themselves out and said, God, all we have, all we are is from you. David said it. What do I have that you didn't give me? Who am I to hold on to anything when you've blessed my life? And one of my favorite verses in all scripture, it's a life verse for me, is Acts 13, 36. It says this, David served the purpose of God in his generation, then he fell asleep, then he died. I don't know if this week could be my last. I hope it's not. I mean, I hope and pray I, I get to live to a ripe old age to see my grandkids and to see my great-grandkids. I hope, I hope that happens, but I don't know. My father's 84. I don't know how much longer I have. I may have him for six more months. I may have him for six more years. I don't know. But whenever my dad goes, I know he'll go in peace because you know why? He has extended and expended his life for the kingdom. And I'm a part of that legacy. I would not be generous without watching my mother and my father be generous. I'm telling you right now, this isn't about you. It's about the next generation. David found purpose in giving to, to God, to give into his kingdom. All kings have victories, but only one king built a temple. How about you? I mean, everybody, you know, makes money, but are you building God's house with it? Or is it just simply all about you? So right now I want to do this at all of our campuses. I want to open up the platform, the stage, the Bible, they've called it the altar. And we're going to have a time of giving. This is the only time we're doing this, but don't get offended. Oh, I can't believe we have an offering. Now we're doing this. this is, it's once a year. But this is a time for us to give to God. My wife and I prayed about it, talked about it, decided on a sacrificial number. We've already given it. I would not ask you to do something that we're not doing ourselves as well. And now we ask you to join in. My son, Mason, texted me the other day. Uh, last week, actually, because he was so moved by the message, he texted me and said, Dad, please pray for me. God's telling me something really scary that I know God's wanting me to give. I was like, God's going to bless that, Mason. I'm telling you, Mason, who's age 23, said, God's going to do something special in you because you're willing to hold everything you own loosely. It's not yours, man. It's God's. All that we have is the Lord's. So let me ask you something. Are you a king of this world? Is your gift kingly? Or is it pauper gift from a king? I want to give a, a royal gift, a king's gift to the king of kings. I want to give sacrificially. So right now I'm going to ask the band to come out and lead us in worship. And as they come out, would you just stand to your feet? Because this is a holy moment. And when the Israelites gave, it was a holy moment. When David gave, he, 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 he said first, I, I'm giving this, and now I ask you to give. And my wife and I have done that. We have given. My family has given. And now I'm going to invite leaders forward. Leaders lead. I think that's what leaders do, right? Doesn't that mean your leaders that you lead the way? 
So we're just going to place a couple buckets up for those who are bringing checks, great, or cash, whatever you choose to give, that's fine. We, we've, you wouldn't believe what people do in their ingenuity. We've had people give houses, cars, um, land, property, uh, stock. Um, I think it was a couple years ago, a young man pulled his earrings out of his ears and gave them. <laughs> like, wow. So I'm not here to tell you what to give. I'm just asking you to honor the Lord today. Whatever God has blessed you with, would you be a giver today and make an impact? And so I'm going to start this off by getting on my knees and asking God to bless this offering. And you can come forward if you feel led. Even if you say, well, I'm going to give it my seat. That's great. You can still come forward with your family and still just give yourself to God. But I want to encourage you to see this as a holy moment, just like David. Lord, we, we give you our lives. So God, we start by surrendering everything we have to you. Lord, I pray for the person right now that's stuck between two numbers. I pray that they would go with the more sacrificial one. Pray for the person who's scared to death to do what you're telling them to do, that they would know that you bless them. Lord, nothing you tell us to do doesn't require faith. It's impossible to please you without faith, which means you put us into that scary zone to trust you, to do what you tell us to do when it doesn't make sense in this world but it makes sense in your kingdom. So we will be generous. We will be foolish. We will be outlandish. We will give irrationally to you because the cross is not rational. Someone dying on a cross is insane. That's crazy love. That's insane sacrifice. And that's how we choose, Lord, to be today. We choose to be a living sacrifice for you to give generously, beyond the pale, crazy, insane. Lord, how do we explain this number to our CPA? How do, we, how do we tell our kids this number in light of the bills other than to say, but God, but God said, but God said, so I'll obey you, God. So Lord, we choose right now to be your people. In this moment, we will obey. In this moment, we bring you our offering. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All campuses, those who are online, get on your knees. We're before the Father. Come on, Padre, we're building you a building. You're not going to sacrifice for it. Rodfield, you're blessed to be a blessing. Rockport, God has proven that he is stronger than the storm. What's God doing in you? Those of you who are at Stone Oak right now, God has blessed you with the facility. Time to pay that forward. Come on, broadcast. Give to the Lord. We're the next generation of kings and queens. Time to step forward. David didn't begin giving in his last gift. He had been giving all along. Study the scripture. He made sacrifice after sacrifice. He built altars in the middle of a war. God, I'm in the middle of a mess, but I'm still going to sacrifice to you. When it makes no sense, I'm being shot at, and I'm focused on building an altar while I'm being shot at. Because I know, God, you are the God of my battle. You are the God of this fight. And I trust in you. If I'll just keep my focus on you, you'll take care of me. Thank you, God. I make a sacrifice to you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you're doing right now. 
Lord, I'll add a zero if I need to. God, you just tell me. You just tell me, God. What do you want, Lord? All I have is yours anyways. In this moment, will you obey God? Will you do what he tells you to do? Consecrate yourselves to him. This sets us apart from the world. We give. We don't take. We don't receive. We, we give. Oh, we love you, God. Thank you for the privilege to be a generous people. Oh, God's moving. Can you sense it? Can you feel it? He's here. We are in the presence of our Holy Father right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You are moving in our midst. Thank you, Lord. The leaders came forward first. Then the families. They came forward. They honored God. Every year I look at my children and I say, what are you going to give to God this year? That one question. I don't tell them this is what you're giving. No, no, that's between you and the Lord. But what are you going to sacrifice? I remember years ago when my son, both my boys took off their shoes and gave their J's. That's a big sacrifice for them. They gave their J's to God. We took those shoes and we gave those shoes to some kids on the west side of our city. Got some pretty nice shoes that day. What are you doing for God? What's he telling you to do in this moment? Will you be radically obedient to God in this moment? What's he telling you to do? No, but Lord, I want to, this is mine. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me, God says. What are you, what are you putting between us? God may be saying, I, I want that very thing. <laughs> Come on, God, not, not, not that. <laughs> Who's it going to be? Is it going to be that item you love so much or is it going to be the Lord? I'm kind of a car guy. <laughs> I love my forerunner. I hold it loosely because I know sometimes he asks for it. I've given two to God. <laughs> but that's also why I can drive in peace. Because I've already given God a Toyota. Oh, what a feeling. So years ago, God told me, before you buy yourself that nice fancy car, why don't you give me that? So I priced it up. I went online. Added all the things I would put on. I didn't go cheap. I didn't say, well, what's the sale? How would I buy it? I want this. And I want that. I want that. Put all the things on it. I said, what's the total number? And I gave God that number before I got my car. I hope and pray God gives you the car of your dreams, the home of your dreams. But in Ezekiel, it says something very powerful. While you build your nice houses, my house lies in ruins. Let's give to God's house first, and then God will bless us with our own home. Oh, David had a pretty nice house, by the way. <laughs> he did just fine. God wants to bless his people. But first comes him. And everything else is after that. He doesn't say the last tenth. He said the first tenth. It's the first fruits, not the last fruits that we give to God. We start with him. Lord, please bless my business. Bless my family. Bless my marriage. Bless my kids. We want to be blessed to be a blessing, though. We want to honor you and give to you. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you've never given your life to Christ, you may say, in a service like this, you're going to have to? Absolutely, because there's always someone that needs to know Jesus. You know, last weekend, God interrupted our message and God did something pretty powerful. And 
I heard through someone that told me that they had a, a brother who came to church that was an atheist who's dragged to church that day. And that atheist said, I felt God. I felt the presence of God. My question for the atheist, how can you feel a God that doesn't exist? Because he does exist. So when we're obedient, God moves. So I would be a fool not to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus if you've never done so, even right now. Even in the middle of this offering, you can give your life to Jesus. If you've never received Christ, pray this prayer with me right now across all campuses, online. Pray this prayer. Just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I give you my life. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you just prayed that prayer, then Christ has come in your life. Would you lift your hand high right now if you just prayed that prayer? No one's looking around. We just want to know if you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ. Just hold your hand high. Thank you. Anyone else? Just hold your hand high if you just prayed that prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anywhere else? Just hold your hand high. If you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ. Thank you. Praise God. We see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. You put your hand down. Today is about consecrating ourselves to God and honoring Him. Lord, we love you. We don't just bring an offering, Lord. We are the offering. We offer our lives fully to you. And we thank you, God, that we have obeyed. We ask you to take this offering, multiply it for your kingdom's work. And we thank you that we get to give. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Can we give God a hand right now on all of our campuses? Praise God. Wow. Unbelievable. Thank you.